Discovering Asian dramas back in 2018 was an enlightening moment for me, and I've never looked back. I enjoy talking about them just as much as watching them, so much so that I decided to create a podcast to chat everything from Chinese to Korean, Japanese to Thai, and everything in between. Welcome to the Tea and Soju Asian Drama Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Asian drama. Hello and welcome back to the Tea and Soju Asian Drama Podcast. I'm your host Liliana. So today's episode I wanted to chat about some things um, you should know when you go into Chinese dramas and this can apply to whether you're coming into Asian dramas in general like completely new or whether you're coming from Korean dramas. Now obviously there's going to be quite a few differences and these are just some things that I wish I knew um, going into Chinese dramas before and hopefully this guide can help you understand more and also can help you on your journey into Chinese dramas. That That's the aim for today, we'll see how um, it goes. Some things, some of these you may already know or if you've watched Chinese dramas but hopefully there's something in here for everyone to learn. I think the first thing um, that came to mind when I actually sat down to think about what I wanted to, to do in this episode was if you're somebody who's coming from a K-drama background. Um, I think the first thing I always say is, and I know it's so hard because even I do this sometimes, is to try and not compare Korean dramas to Chinese dramas. There's various reasons why they're so different, but I think um, when we compare them, I think you kind of get stuck in that comparison mind. And there's obviously one that's always going to be better than the other. And that is completely individual to each person because it's such a personal taste thing. I mean, I can love one Chinese drama and then the next person may absolutely hate it. That's just how it goes. I think dramas in general is such a personal thing to each person that, you know, I think comparing them, although it can be useful because, you know, you can try and figure out what you've liked or what you didn't like from that. I think it also can um, be detrimental to either and or, you know, Chinese dramas and Korean dramas, whichever one you're comparing them to. They are pretty much very different. Um, and for me personally, I don't think one is better than the other. I love both of them. And I also think uh, both of them have their strengths and both of them have their weaknesses. Sometimes I'll go, you know, weeks where I just watch Chinese dramas because that's what I'm in the mood for. Or sometimes I'll just be watching Korean dramas. It really does depend on what my... I'm very much a mood watcher. So it very much depends on what I feel like watching at that time. And I feel like if you go in comparing to both of them, one will always be a, at a disadvantage to the other. And like I said, I think that just sort of creates um, standards in a way that sometimes dramas may not be able to reach. And that may lead you to just be disappointed in general in that drama. Now, 
the second one doesn't necessarily apply to me um just because i started with chinese dramas but i think when i first started having conversations with people around me who also watch asian dramas one thing that they mentioned and i thought it would be an interesting point to put here and you know get feedback from listeners to see what they think on this because obviously my experience is going to be quite different is that um so you may come from different backgrounds once you enter into chinese drama land um and some people mention that listening to Chinese uh, can put them off because it's such a different language, especially if you're coming from um, Korean dramas. So I think for me personally, I'm bilingual. So in general, I'm quite used to listening to all sorts of languages um, just because of how I grew up. But I think Korean, to me anyways, and I'm in no way, shape or form a professional, but Korean to me sounds almost very melodic in a in a way. Um, so it's very easy on the ear. But Chinese does have a very different sound. Obviously, it's a different language. So I think it can be quite jarring uh, once you swap from one country to the other, I'll tell you what, I think for me, the most jarring that, and this happened to me, um, was, so I was fully, I'd watched a bunch of Chinese, a bunch of Korean, I'd watched Japanese, and Japanese I already knew because I'd heard and watched anime, uh, so for quite a while before I got into actual Asian dramas, but when I did the jump from, um, so all of those Chinese, Korean, Japanese into Thai dramas, that to me was quite jarring. Thai is a very, very different language. Um, and I thought for, it did take me a couple of episodes just to readjust and, you know, recalibrate for a second because I was like, oh, what's this? Like, my ears were like, oh, this is new. This is very, very new. And I think it almost sounded, and I don't mean to sound, you know, horrible or anything. That's not the point. But it almost sounded a little harsher, Ty did to me. And I think when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, this this is different. I... I mean, and then eventually I got used to it and now I don't mind it at all. It's just, you know, oh, it's just a Thai show. But I think in the beginning it did not put me off, but it did take me a while to get into them just because the language just sounded so, so different. Um, but I also want to say, don't ever let, you know, a language si sounding different and maybe not quite as appealing to your ears um, stop you from, you know, trying to get into Asian dramas and other Asian dramas because I think eventually your brain just clicks um, and although you know I know this is quite um, a weird point to make but I think it does happen to people that you know the, the language just sounds different because obviously it is a different language so I did want it to add it to my um, little points list and I also definitely want to hear back like what have you guys experienced this like between which dramas because um, I'm really curious because this was a topic that was brought up I don't remember when but at some point and it did just pop into my head while I was writing down all the points for this episode and I was like I definitely want to mention this one because obviously it didn't happen from Chinese or Korean for me but it definitely did happen when I went into Thai dramas so I'm curious do you 
have you guys ever experienced this? I'm, you know, please let me know because uh, I'd love to to hear about it. So for my third point, and this is the big one, um, I think this is one that will come across many a conversations about Chinese dramas because it impacts the overall product um, at the end. Also, sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. He's making some really weird noises and I'm just letting him be. He's living his best life over there in the corner, so I'm not going to stop him. Hopefully you guys can't hear it too much. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my uh, guest host for today. It's my dog in the corner. <laughs> Anyways, back to the point. So my third point, and this is a really big one. So in Chinese dramas, we always have to consider censorship. They are heavily, heavily censored. And that definitely has an impact on not only what a director can do, it has an impact on what a writer can do, on what an actor can do. This It impacts literally every single aspect of a drama. So I think it's really, really important to mention that there is censorship. Um, and basically what happens is the the um the dramas get you know casted and then they get filmed and then basically they go through a first round of editing and you know basically putting together the whole drama whether that be if you need to add in cgi or you know any of those things like all your post-production work basically all of that has to be done and then once that is done and the drama has like a rough draft or you know if you want to call it that then it gets sent to um you know, for approval. So basically, once it's all completed and all put together, that gets sent off for to the board. Uh, I think it's the board of television and something. I cannot quite remember. I should have written this down, but I didn't. Um, but basically, it gets off. It gets sent off, and basically, it then. I don't know what happens in these, like, I don't know, but it basically either gets a green light or a red light. That's how I see it. If it gets that green light, then it means it is free to be aired. It now has a license to air. And that means platforms can then obviously air it, you know, on their platforms. But until it gets that green light, it cannot be aired. So, um, and that green light basically comes from the drama basically checking all of the censorship boxes. Like it doesn't infringe on any censorship rules. And I'm not quite sure about any of the rules yet, but I am planning to do an episode on this. But I think it really needs a lot of research. Um, but I actually have a friend who speaks Chinese and she's going uh, to help me to get the most accurate information that I can. It, I don't think it's easily accessible we have actually started doing some research and just like articles that she's brought to my attention I'm like this is insane and it goes beyond anything that I ever thought it would but 
For instance, just to mention a few things that are not allowed through censorship, uh, one of them, and it is the very obvious one, is BL. So that means that boys love any gay novels, anything like that. That will simply not pass censorship. Um, and that's just not allowed in Chinese dramas. It's um, even, I think it was uh, maybe a couple of months ago from the time that I'm recording this. So in September 2022, that's when I'm recording this episode, um, they went in and they basically cracked down on anything that's BL. So that is just simply not allowed, um, you know. So there is dramas that basically try and skirt around this. And this was pre the ban because the ban is now in place and it is pretty like if there's any indication they will just not let you wear it at all but before there are certain dramas like you know the untamed or word of honor who did try um and basically what they do is they square around the bl aspect so us as viewers we can totally see what's happening on the screen but it's never um implicitly uh, put that that you know that they're a couple so you don't you're not going to see them kiss or anything like that but you see moments where basically you have to read between the lines that's how they get BL on screen but even right now that's just not happening at all they've completely scrapped that idea out of the uh, books so there was quite a few dramas actually that were um, going to come out of BL and really good adaptations that I was looking forward to but unfortunately right now they're just you know in the nether we don't know forever i i i'd like to hope that we'll see them one day whether they just basically heavily chop the drama and you know edit it enough that they can get it past censorship who knows chinese companies like um production companies they get really creative on how to pass censorship it was really funny a couple of uh months ago as well they passed a new um, law that basically dramas could not be more than 40 episodes. So it's pretty simple. Basically, all the companies did was, fine, we'll chop, you know, 60 episode dramas uh, into two seasons. And now there you go. It passes the rule. And basically what they do just to mess with the rule is they literally air these episodes back to back so there isn't even a pause between season one and season two so you're basically just watching one whole drama but it's a technically a season one and a season two so yeah they get pretty creative but basically that will definitely be an episode that I want to do but like I said I need to really research it because I don't want to talk about the topic if I'm not as informed as I possibly can be. So look out for that one. I'm not sure when it'll come, but I definitely want to talk about it because it's definitely something that's really, really heavy and important to Chinese dramas. And I think we need to be conscious of that when we talk about them. That actually leads us quite nicely into my... Oh God, I've lost track of how many points I've made. Well, the next point, because I've lost track. You can see how sometimes my mind works. It gets so chaotic that, you know, but we're going to roll with it. Anyways, my next point is I wanted to try and explain how seasons or, you know, 
dramas work in general. Now, most sea dramas, um, they only have one season. But like I said, you know, we've gotten creative because of the 40 episode rule. Um, however, the amount of, of episodes can completely vary from drama to drama. It can be anything between five episodes to a hundred. I kid you not, it's all over the place and it's just really dependent on whichever drama it is. I think for me personally, from what I've watched anyways, I think I find that most sea dramas tend to sit in between 24 to 40 episodes. Um, but if you're looking at fantasy dramas, they tend to be longer. Um, they usually tend to sit anywhere between more likely the 50 to 60 episode mark. Um, obviously now because of the rule, you know, it's season one and season two, but it, it works it works um so that's how they sort of work it there's rarely rarely I think there's only a couple that I know of that have gotten multiple seasons but it isn't actually a done thing in um in China just like actually in Korea South Korea for Korean dramas and even Thai dramas I don't think I've seen many that get seasons too I think Asian dramas in general now thinking about it I don't think they a lot of them tend to get um second seasons although I do see that shifting I do see a second season popping up for more and more various um dramas so that'll be an interesting thing to see how they actually um do going forward uh but anyways so in terms of episode length i think episodes can really range all over the place again um they can go so there's these mini um web dramas and basically they are made for you to watch on your phone um they're literally two minute episodes sometimes um and basically they'll have like 20 episodes of two minutes or whatever uh so it can really go from as little as that to you know uh 50 m and uh, 50 m and 50 minutes uh per episode or even some dramas will go past an hour but not very much i don't think i've really i think i've come across only two dramas where episodes um the Chinese dramas go past maybe to an hour and 10 but that is the limit which to be quite honest I love because I don't enjoy really really long episodes it's just something that doesn't work for me um so maybe I don't have the attention like it's really weird I can sit there and watch 10 episodes in a row of a drama if it's like you know 40 minutes an episode but I cannot seem to sit down and watch an episode episode that's an hour and a half because that feels like a movie and it doesn't work for me I don't know it's one of those weird little things but that's a very me thing um but I do find that actually most dramas comfortably sit around about the 45 minute mark uh, and that probably includes about you know anything between five to eight minutes uh, of the starting and ending uh, credits so basically it does tend to sit anywhere between you know 35 minute to 40 minute mark for most episodes I think which you know if you're comparing it to a lot of uh Korean dramas they tend to be longer I think Thai dramas tend to sit around about the same uh, for most Thai dramas that I've watched Japanese episodes tend to be slightly shorter um 
but also tend to sit at that point mark. So I feel like that's a comfortable episode length, like anything between, you know, the maybe 35 to 50 minute mark for me anyways, they work brilliant. Like that length works quite well. Point. Um, It's something that's actually really, really unique to Chinese dramas, at least that I know of. I don't think I've come across other Asian countries that do this, but please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong or if you have come across it. You know, I'm more than um, open for somebody to come in and tell me I'm completely wrong. But at least of the things that I've come across, um, I don't, uh, I haven't seen it done anywhere else, um, at least in Asian dramas, if that makes sense. So, uh, and that is dubbing in dramas. Um a lot of Chinese dramas, especially whether, you know, um, especially historical or period dramas um, or costume dramas in general, they get dubbed. And what that means is that basically um, the actors and the actresses will film the scenes and they'll say the lines on set. Uh, but then uh, when in post-production, so once everything's been filmed and, you know, those scenes are grabbed and put into post-production, other, um, so voice actors and actresses basically come in and they record the lines for the drama. And then those lines get taken and they get put on top of the scenes. So basically you are seeing the actor or the actresses, but you're hearing somebody else's voice. Now, if this is done really, really well, then you barely will notice it, especially if you don't know the actor or the actress, if you don't know their um what their voice sounds like but sometimes it's really not well done and it is so noticeable even to somebody who doesn't speak Chinese. Now there's various reasons um, why this is done Um, and I think it always does come down to money. Um, It is cheaper to do it that way um, especially if you're recording a period drama like Obviously, you're not recording somewhere where there isn't noise. So um, if there's planes flying overhead or anything like that, it would, I think, be more expensive to clean up that audio than it would be to, you know, have somebody else come in in post-production in a studio where the environment is completely controlled um, and basically say the lines again. But also... Basically, uh, after doing research and looking into it, I think what they say is one of the reasons um, that it happens is so basically Chinese has so many different dialects and within each dialect, the language can sound very differently. Um, And even now, I don't speak Chinese, but from what I've gathered from people who do speak Chinese, sometimes even like if you have two very, very, very different dialects, they'll use words that aren't supposed to be used or they'll say it differently and it gives the sentence a completely, you know, different meaning. So, you know, it is all Chinese, but it's all various um, different parts of Chinese, if that makes sense. Um, So most dramas, I think, are 
you know, recorded in Mandarin. And this also, um, not every actor and actress um, speaks, you know, fluent Mandarin as a standard. Um, But also when you do a period drama, certain type of Chinese, of different Chinese, it's also used. And obviously not every actor and actress knows that. Um, and I think basically what they want, what they do with the professionals that come in, the voice actors and actresses, they just give everybody the sort of same, um, how to put it, the same level. So they all speak the same, you know, uh, language or the same... Um, I'm not sure how to put this, but basically they all sound the same in a sense, if that makes sense. So it's basically the standard Mandarin. And obviously voice actors and actresses, they know when to project their voice or when to... They know where as an actor and actress, they use their body or they use their expressions, you know. Um, A voice actor and actress, that's their tool. Their tool is their voice. And I have mad respect for these, you know, people who come in and they know how to use their voice in a certain way to bring a whole other level to the scene. Now, saying all that, I do actually prefer when things aren't dubbed. And a lot of the more modern uh, dramas, you know, set in offices or things like that, they have actually started to opt for um dubbed not not using um dubbing and i actually appreciate that especially when it's an actress or actor that i've watched quite a lot and i know what their voice sounds like um so if they come in and they're dubbed with someone that you know i know it's not their voice then that's that takes some adjusting to do and i think it's always Um, a good point to mention that yes, dubbing does happen. There's various reasons for it, but it is what it is for the time being. And I think once we're aware of it, and I think if it's done really well, then um, I don't think I mind too much. But if it's not done well, it can just keep pulling you completely out of the drama. And I think that means um, that that drama is probably just not going to agree with you um so uh we shall see i think um also there was a rule implanted i think uh, a couple of months ago as well apparently there was a lot happening in chinese drama land in the last couple of months but yeah so um there was a rule that came out that now says that if actors and actresses um need to be dubbed so basically if the director finds that you know the actor or the actress needs to be dubbed then um basically they will have to pay for the for the voice actor or actress themselves now if you're a big star in china that's probably not going to affect you that much because you're probably going to prefer to just pay the dubber and move on to your next project uh but we shall see how that, you know, how this new rule will affect and shake Chinese drama land. I don't think we will see it in the next year or so because of just how Chinese dramas work, of how they're filmed, you know, a good few years, you know, maybe a year in advance. Um, So we shall see where this new rule takes us. But 
I would, I for one would love to see actors and actresses do more of their own dubbing. Um, but only time will tell how this shift um, from voice actors uh, into, you know, actors and actresses doing their own lines. Uh, we shall see where it goes. I wanted to talk about um, basically platforms to use because I think there's quite a big difference um, here, especially again if you're coming from Korean dramas because, you know, um, other dramas, Japanese dramas are sometimes impossible to find subbed um, and Thai dramas tend to be mostly readily available. Taiwanese the same, I think. Um, not quite as much. But if I focus on, you know, Korean dramas specifically, there's been, I feel like, um, a huge uh, movement of Korean dramas um, going abroad. And I think this has been happening for quite a long time. But more recently, if, you know, we talk about especially dramas such as Squid Games, which completely blew up um, and um, it brought even more attention to Korean dramas in general and, you know, K-pop groups such as BTS um, that have completely, you know come and um, gathered more and more attention for not only just for Korean content and Korean culture in general. Um, I think it has led for Korean content to be more widely known and recognised, um, which I think, to me personally, to a certain degree, that means that Korean dramas are more not more, but slightly more influenced by Western audiences. Um, therefore, making them more likely to be streamed on big platforms like Netflix. You know, Netflix has a huge um, investment made in South Korea right now and in Korean dramas. Uh, so, you know, it, they can become more easily accessed by us um um, by us in the West. Um, so I think, um, whereas on the other hand, Chinese dramas are still very much aimed at Chinese people in China. And what I mean by that is that a lot of them might not be, you know, subbed as quickly as a Korean drama might be, or they might not even be available to us. Um, Although I think that's shifting more and more. I think platforms in China are realising more and more that there is market and want for Chinese dramas outside of China. But, you know, at the end of the day, China has a huge population. And if platforms were just to aim their dramas at their home base, they would probably be fine, I think. Um, but I'm happy that there's been a bit more of a shift uh, for those dramas to be available, um, you know, to international audiences. Um, but there are some platforms which I use for Chinese dramas. Uh, obviously, you will find Chinese dramas on both Netflix and Viki. 
Uh, I think these are the more well-known internationals because they already carry a lot of Korean content. So a lot of people that are coming in from a Korean drama background, they would already know about these platforms. I mean, Netflix is Netflix. Um, it's widely known for all sorts of content, not just Asian content. And Vicky is basically an Asian drama platform. That's basically all they have. Um but they are now getting more and more and more Chinese dramas as well. And also they're getting more and more Chinese dramas while they're airing. Whereas I don't think Netflix has that. Netflix will stick Chinese dramas that are already completed. So that's the difference between those two. Um, but then there are Chinese drama platforms um, which cater for international fans, but they are, you know, in fact, Chinese platforms. And um, so basically Tencent, um, which, although in some places, I don't know why, but apparently, so in, it's called Tencent, the company. And in, um, if you go over to America, they have Tencent, but if I try to access Tencent in Europe, in the UK where I am, I can't. So what I have is WeTV, which is owned by Tencent and pretty much has everything that Tencent has. I don't know why this happens, but it does. So Tencent and WeTV, they're basically the same company. WeTV belongs to Tencent. So, um, and we they both get the same dramas. I don't know why, you know, ones like that. I haven't looked into it, but there's definitely, you know, they are the, the same. And then there's Aichiyi, and that's spelled I-Q-I-Y-I, -I, but it, it's it's read Aichiyi, um, which has actually also started to carry some Korean dramas on there. I think Chinese dramas, because of all, you know, that's been happening lately, there's been such a shake-up in the Chinese drama land. They've started to branch out into other things. And one of the things that Aichi has done is to start carrying some Korean dramas. There's not a lot on there. Definitely, you know, if you're looking to get it just for those, it's not happening. There's only a couple. But it is um, gradually getting more and more um, Korean dramas on there. The other one uh, that is another platform is Yoku and that's spelled uh, Y-O-U-Q-U and this one does now actually they've launched um, the international Yoku app I think about a month ago now their their international app is not the greatest I will flat out say that um it's not their best um work yet I think they will get better and better as you know time goes on and the app just in general apps tend to you know get worked on improved um as you know you get feedback from customers but as of right now I don't necessarily like using the Yoku app I don't think it's um where it needs to be quite yet uh they do however have um the Yoku YouTube channel YouTube YouTube channel and that actually carries a lot of their dramas already subbed and they will put them on their um, most episodes free but then obviously they lock um, some episodes to membership um, episodes uh, but 
those do eventually, I think, get unlocked. But I don't know how long it takes because I do actually have the membership for Yoku. Um, so now with all of these, I would suggest if you ever want to get them, wait until their sales, especially for like Aichi and WeTV. They tend to sell you a, um, I think around about say, uh, Thanksgiving in America or Christmas time or, you know, um, Chinese New Year is a big one. Um, they tend to actually put their, um, their subscriptions, that's the word I was looking for, their subscriptions on sale. And like for Aichi, I think last year I subscribed and I got my year subscription for only about £23. I don't know how much that is in dollars or any other currencies, but that's really not that much. Um, so especially if you compare it to a Netflix um, subscription, which is just insane how expensive Netflix is, but we're not going to go there in this episode. That's not what this episode is about. So if you ever do want to get those um, those subscriptions, I would always, always highly recommend you keep a very close eye on, you know, those festive um, times because they do always tend to um, do uh, the sales and they're always worth it, I, I find. Uh, so there is one other platform uh, and it's called Mango TV. Now, Mango TV is the worst for subtitles. They basically just use auto-translated subtitles, which makes for a horrible experience, at least for me. I cannot, I, I just cannot with, you know, really bad subtitles. If they're readable, let's put it that way, and understandable without having to be a jigsaw puzzle for you to literally try and gather the meaning of the sentence, then I will pass them. But I am very picky about my subtitles and Mango TV is just horrendous for subtitles. I wish they weren't because actually they churn out pretty good dramas. But whenever it's a Mango TV, I, I always already think, okay, th th it's just not going to be worth it. And then unless somewhere else picks it up, mainly Vicky, because Vicky will pick up dramas from these other platforms and put it on their, you know, app. Um, and then basically the Vicky subbers will come in and clean those subs up. Then, then I'm up for watching or, you know, sometimes um, fan subs. Yep, those are great too. So there is those as well. Um, like I said, all of these platforms um, basically are, you know, the ones that I would use. Um, I thought I would mention all of them, uh, but, you know, they are all paid. But actually, most of them, if not all of them have some free content to offer too. And um, so there's always, you know, it's always a great way for you to go and check it out. And, you know, that's always a great starting point. I would always say, if you want to start a Chinese drama, then go to apps that you already have. So that's why I mentioned either Vicky or Netflix. And then go from there. Because if you really, really get into Chinese dramas, then these other platforms are worth it. But if not, then they're probably not worth your time or your money. Because, you know, if you're just watching one drama every now and again, then it's definitely not worth your subscription. 
but yeah, that's all the platforms I could think of while writing this episode down. So one of the quick thing that I wanted to mention is that when you start watching Chinese dramas, there are a couple of terms which you may come across um, and you may not know about because they are specific to Chinese dramas. And these are specific to a very specific type of drama and they are wuxia, xianxia and xuanhua. Now I'm um, going to use the definitions from uh, Immortal Mountain, it's a site online and basically um, I actually want to do a full episode on these but I just thought I would drop this here because when I first started watching them I had no clue what these terms were but obviously they're tagged um, on MDL and I got curious and googled them and that's how I found out but basically uh, so we'll start with wuxia and it literally means um, martial heroes and these are dramas with stories of regular humans who achieve supernatural fighting abilities through Chinese martial arts um, training. And um, so, yeah, that's basically what it is. But I have since learned that also wuxia is a very particular type of um, fighting. And a lot of um, dramas nowadays that call themselves wuxia, they're not quite the specific style that, you know, is meant to fit the wuxia umbrella. I definitely want to dig deeper into all of this. I'm going to try and gather a couple of different, um, you know, um, different uh, descriptions for each of these. But uh, like I said, I thought I would just mention it. And then xianxia, it literally means immortal heroes. These are fictional stories which can include such things as magic, demons, gods, etc. These tend to be highly influenced by Chinese folklore and mythology. If you, if wuxia is described, Descri- I can't talk today, is described as low fantasy, then take Xianxia as high fantasy. So that's basically the difference. There are, there are quite a lot more differences to them, uh, but I won't go into that quite this episode, I don't think. And then the last one is Xuan Huan, and it literally means mysterious fantasy. It's a broad genre of fictional stories which mi- mixes Chinese folklore with foreign elements. Now, I was really surprised because... Once I started digging, uh, digging, I didn't actually know this third term existed. I was only aware of wuxia and xianxia. But clearly, even I'm still learning things. And obviously, I don't know everything. Um, so I'll be really, really interested to dig deeper into this and do a full episode on it at some point uh, later on. Um, so... One of the things that I always think about when somebody asks me to recommend something, I always think that if it's your first time trying a Chinese drama, uh, the best way to do it is to search by genre. Uh, So basically, if you use my drama list and pick a drama you've already watched, uh, regardless of country. So if it's like if you're coming from a Korean drama background, you know, pick a Korean drama that you really enjoyed. Or if you're coming from a... um, 
you know, Japanese background or, you know, whichever Asian drama background you're coming from. And then if you type it into MDL and then you go down to the recommendations section, you'll often actually find there's other Asian um, countries' uh, dramas recommended on there. And I always find this is really helpful way of starting because if you already like the genre genre the drama is set in you are more likely to enjoy the drama itself since it's already like there's already a connection there to something that you particularly like you know um watching so i find this recommendation um way of trying out new dramas to most of the time work really well so that's how I tend to whenever somebody asks me for recommendations I always one of my very first questions is well tell me what some of your favorite dramas are and then I try to connect the dramas that way and I find that most of the time that works really well so I thought that would be a good little tidbit to leave here So the last but probably most important detail about Chinese dramas that I will touch on in this episode is that you got to pay attention to those beginning and end credits. you got to skip them (laughs) because um, often they tend to include lots of spoiler scenes from the actual drama. So if you don't like spoilers... I recommend you skip those beginning and end credits until, you know, the couple last episodes where you don't mind it too much. It doesn't happen in all dramas, but it does happen often enough uh, for me to mention it because I know some people just cannot do any type of spoilers. So I thought this was really, really important um, to mention, you know, if you're first going into Chinese um, dramas. Uh, and I think that's it. That's it for this episode. Um, I think those are like my little little nuggets of information and like little things that I've thought of coming up um, for like for this episode. I think I'm going to call it Chinese Drama 101 because I think there's, you know, basically just little bits of information if you're coming into Chinese dramas for the first time or, you know, if you already watch them, maybe there's something on here that I mentioned that you quite didn't know about. If that's the case, then I've done a good job. Um, so I hope you found this episode helpful uh, going into your journey of Chinese dramas let me know if you'd like to know any more and please follow me along on my journey too this has been another episode of the tea and soju asian drama podcast i'm your host liliana and you can come and chat to me on instagram at tea and soju pod all one word and on twitter tea underscore soju underscore pod You can also find a great community at the Asian Drama Watchers Discord server, where we all hang out and just chat everything Asian drama. I'll leave everything linked in the description notes. See you next time for more Asian drama chatter.